want to just open your or have your notes before you there. I'll start on the side that is entitled Faith Pledge Sunday. And if you want to have your Bible open at Hebrews chapter 11. Your Bible open at Hebrews chapter 11. Just to say the baptism's next Sunday, it, it, uh, next, uh, next Saturday. If you could be here for 4 o'clock and try and be early because we will leave here exactly at 4. If you arrive, say, late at like 20 past 4, we'll all be at the swimming pool, which is at the back of this building. But try and be early if you can. Same thing next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, the African choir, for the first time, are going to take the whole worship time. Okay? So I ask you once again, please come early and come prepared for that. Pray for that. I think it's one of the keys to the future, not just of the worship, but of everything we do in the city is, is the African choir. Everything we do in this city, and I've spoken about that before, I believe the nations of Africa have a key role in the last days. A key role in the last days. And if we fail to connect there in this city, we're going to fail. So next Sunday, please come early there and early Saturday. Four o'clock Saturday, 11 o'clock on Sunday. Lord, we, we thank you that you graciously give us your word, that you've left us not empty-handed, but with a Bible, with the word of God to us, your promise to us. And this morning, God, I ask for faith. Faith is a gift. And I, we ask for it. You just ask for faith for yourself. Lord, put faith in us. We ask for the gift of faith to be released through us. And I know it involves our participation. For God, forgive us for reluctance. Forgive us for being slow. This morning, we, 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 we give up. We give in. We ask for a miracle of faith in this place, in every individual's life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to conclude the little mini-series we've been doing on finances and wisdom for finances. Being wise about your finances is certainly not the world's way. That's for sure. If we listen to the world, nothing's going to happen. You may prosper, but remember, Solomon warns us about good prosperity and bad prosperity. Many a person gets to 60, 70, 80 years old, and they look back with nothing but regret because they may well have prospered, but there was no investment. They're about to die. Life is now over, and they look, and they think, where was my wealth? really. And so wisdom for prosperity is not what we think. We've got to mine it out of the Bible. You don't have an option about giving. God tells us about giving. We don't tell him, he tells us. And the scriptures teach us of four very definite levels of giving. First is the tithe, but it's not giving actually the tithe, is it? It's paying. It's a debt. So we're not, if all we do is tithe, we're actually not a giver yet. We've just paid God what we owe him, put in what he says we must bring in. The next level of giving is, is a free will offering. When after 10% is, is gone from your gross income, you, God wants you to be a giver. So you start then to look for somewhere, something that you can believe in. It's important that it's good soil, right? And you start to give to something. Then when that is gone, your tithe is gone, your, your free will offering is gone, then we cultivate sacrifice. And he wants us to learn how to be Christ-like in that way, how to give when it hurts. And once those three pieces are in place, not before, don't jump the queue. Once the ethics of sacrifice are established in you, once God has put those in place of faithfulness and tithing, then we can talk about faith. 
And we've, we've spoken about this so much in this church. I trust that you're all participating in that. And if you're not, start now. Trust God and start now. He's got your best interest in mind. He's got the world out there to reach and he wants to do it through the church. So today is Faith Pledge Sunday. We do this day twice a year where we come before God and we ask him to, to, to put a figure on our hearts. We've paid our tithe. We've, we're giving a free will offering. We're making sacrifice. And now we complete that journey to the destiny that God has for every one of us. And it's to be a person of faith. Right? Concerning finances. To be a person through whom finances flow into the kingdom. And, you know, God help us. There's not enough people through whom finances are flowing. There's not enough people. I wonder, will that be you? Will you be the one to say, you know what? I'll clear the junk, the unbelief or whatever out of my life. And from this day on, I will be that channel. I will be a channel of faith for finances. Amen. Let's start by looking at a few things about faith. Is faith an important subject? You better believe it's an important subject. The Bible says that we are saved by faith. In Romans, it says that we live by faith. It also says that we receive righteousness by faith. It says that we are justified by faith. We stand by faith. If any of you are not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we receive baptism in the Holy Spirit by faith. Right? We do the works of God by faith. And we wait for Christ's return by faith. So, of course, faith is, is just immensely important. But one thing we constantly see in Christians' lives is they need to do revision. They need a revision, a second vision, a second look at the issue of faith. And you need to catch it again because maybe what you've been brought up in, in terms of, of this particular topic, has not been full, has not been the, the whole story. We need to start having faith in God, not just faith that God. Faith in God, not just faith that God. You know, the devil believes that God exists. In fact, Romans 1 and 2 tells us that the whole world and everybody in it believes that God exists. But we need to move away from that, move on from that, and start believing in Him. Let me give you an example of what I mean. The difference between believing that something and believing in someone. I was driving along with a pastor one day, a friend of mine, and we're going down the, 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 the motorway, and there was a toll gate on this motorway. And there was a lorry parked, leaving just enough space. It was actually a little free thing he could go through. And there was enough space just maybe to get his car through that gap. And this guy was a bit crazy, you know. So he put his foot down, and instead of slowing down to get through the gap, he speeded up. And he started, I thought, we're not going to make it, we're not going to make it. And, whoosh, we went, ah. and I, I was furious at him. And I remember saying, I will never get in a car with you again. Never. You're mad. You know? He thought it was great. He thought he was a good driver. I think he's a terrible driver. Do I believe that he exists, that man? Absolutely. He's sitting beside me. Do I believe that he can drive? Absolutely. Have I got any faith in him? None whatsoever. And that's the difference. It's a big difference. Because as I say, the devil believes that God. But we've got to start believing in him, and that's a different story. That takes a different route altogether. How meaningless 
the Christian life is without faith. How purposeless I've had the Christian life without faith goals and with faith goals. And they are a world apart. How boring, how confusing, how pointless is a Christian without a faith goal in life, without Jesus beckoning them on. A bit like a fun fair with all the power turned off. We've got the mechanics. We've got the bits and pieces. We know what we should be. We know what should be going on. But somehow those wheels aren't turning. And of course it's faith that makes all that happen. You've got to ask yourself why. Why is that? If faith is not working in your life, if you don't see responses to the faith in you from your prayers or whatever, then why is that? Well, the answer is because there's an awful lot of bad practice. Maybe we've had a history that, as I said, is not clear. We have not been brought up right in these ways. If you do not, it's like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it will waste away. You must deliberately exercise it. I'm not that fit, but I do a little bit of running now and again. I try and keep a little bit of exercise up, you know, and just run to the end of the street and back sort of thing, you know. <laughs> but I think I'm up to about a quarter of a mile. Just over that, I can run without stopping. That, I know that's pathetic, but at least it's something, right? I was in town. I can't remember what happened. Something happened, and all of a sudden, I needed to run. I actually needed to run this time. It wasn't just a jog wasn't a practice. This was the real thing. And this was not long ago. It was about a month ago. But, and, and so off I went and I started to run. Guess what? <laughs> I could. I found that I could. And I got to my destination and I remember thinking, praise God for the exercise. Because I actually needed that today. And even though the jogging up the street is a false environment, I came one day to an environment where I actually needed that. I needed that strength. I needed that stamina. And so it is with faith. And so it is with the faith pledge. We exercise it, and there's a day that often comes and will come for you and for I where we need to put it into practice. Why does faith not work in many people's lives? Let me give you three brief reasons. First of all, faith is affected by the way you've been brought up. I mean, if your mom and dad, if they spoilt you, if you were a spoilt child, you need to get that out of your system because that can stay with people their whole lives long. You know, like say if as a child, to get your way, say you wanted something. And to get your way, to get what you wanted, if you started crying, you know, stamping your feet, sulking, complaining, moaning. And maybe your mom wasn't a very good mom. Maybe your dad wasn't a very good dad. And maybe they give in to that type of behavior. Well, all that does is it produces very miserable adults, but when it comes to faith, when it comes to moving into the things of God, it produces people who approach their heavenly father in the same manner that they have been taught works with their earthly father. Well, it doesn't work with God. Emotional blackmail won't work with God. Screaming, shouting, and crying won't work with God. Throwing yourself on the floor and won't work. Bribery won't work. It's only faith. In fact, you know what? Not even your pain. And God's not that responsive to pain, I'm afraid. You see, pain doesn't make him respond. Look at the cross. Because it, your pain pales into insignificance when compared to eternity. That's the reason. When compared to the whole world and everything in it, the little things we go through, they just, you know, all but disappear. They're so big to us, but not to him. 
So bad parenting can mean you meet someone get saved when they're like 30 or something like that. And they come into the kingdom of God and they come in with bad attitudes. And it's like a bone that has been broken and set wrong. Wasn't set straight. And what do you have to do to that bone? Break it and reset it. And so it is with many people's personality that they come in and they've got this sort of attitude to God. That if he doesn't do what I want, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to be sulky. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. So how was your childhood? Because you now have a good father who will only respond to faith. Faith. That's what he's looking for. Okay? Another reason, second reason, is that many people don't use their faith because they're confused about it. They, 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 they know, again, we know what we should do. I remember not long after I got saved, I heard a, a reputable uh, man of God say this. He, he said... Uh, if you're praying for something, pray once and then never pray again. That's the prayer of faith. I was quite surprised at that. Pray once and then if you pray again, you didn't have faith in that first prayer. I thought, okay. And then you hear other people say, pray, 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 pray. And don't stop praying until you get the answer. And I remember being very confused about that. I mean, which is it? Should I pray one prayer and then hold off in faith? Or should I be praying all the time? What do I do? And of course, Jesus deals with this very clearly and very specifically in two situations. You see the Roman centurion. He was a man and Jesus said he had found no greater faith than he found in that man. But that guy said one prayer. Lord, only say the word, there's his prayer, and my servant shall be healed. And, he, and Jesus praised him for his faith. One prayer. Then you've got the other example of the persistent widow. And Jesus also said that was very good what she did because she persisted in prayer. But please notice this. The centurion was praised for his faith. The widow was praised for her persistence. They're two different things. Okay? And the answer to the conundrum then is, is pretty obvious. If you've got faith, use it. If you lack faith and yet you still have a desire, a target that you believe, pray all the time and don't stop praying. Don't give up until you see that come to pass. Are you with me? So there's, there, there's two ways of looking at that and they're both important in different situations. Another reason why people don't use faith is, well, because they don't use it. It wastes away. I wonder how many of you here this morning, or you at home, have actually needed faith this week. I wonder, have you used your faith this week for anything? The truth is, many believers sitting in church every Sunday haven't used their faith months, years, because they haven't needed to. Nothing has come up. Nothing has arisen. We're just going through the motions, attending church, and we think that's it. And then, of course, what happens is you come across a situation where you have to run. You come across a situation where you need your faith and now you haven't got it because you haven't been doing your exercise, right? And so faith exercises like faith pledging are absolutely excellent. Do you know what Jesus said one day? If I can't trust you with money, then we'll not be talking about spiritual things. We'll not be talking about moving in the spirit realm because if you can't be trusted with mammon and learn how to deal with that, we can't move on. So these things are greatly, greatly important. Turn over your notes to the, to the second side where it says Hebrews chapter 11, verse 
1, and I'm going to read from that now. It gives us the Bible's greatest definition of what faith actually is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Now faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And the writer to to the Hebrews goes through an excellent little tour there for us of of, of what faith actually is. I've just put some of them on the screen there for you. Faith is present. Faith can be seen. Faith can be heard. Faith is spoken. And I give you examples for, for, for each one of those. We were in town once, myself and, and Jeanette, we were doing an open air and we'd come away and the one half of the team had gone one way and we were going another way. And all of a sudden I realized it was a, it was a Cardiff City and there was an international rugby match on. And if you've ever been in Cardiff for one of those, you'll know what it's like. It's packed, absolutely packed. And it was a blazing hot day. We got halfway towards our car. I realized I'd given my keys to one of the other members of the team going the other way. These are in the days before mobile phones, you know. And we were standing, I thought, oh, no, we're stuck now, can't get the car, and they've gone the other way. We'll never find them. And I remember Jeanette said, tell you what we'll do, we'll go back to where we last saw them, and we'll find them, and we'll get the keys. And I, I she, she was just standing alongside me, but I remember thinking, <laughs> some chance, you can't even, you can't get through the crowds. And then, I looked at her, and she was full of faith. She was full of faith. She said, we will go back through the crowd. We will go back to the place where we were, and we will find the keys. You see, and I could see, you believe that. You really do believe that. Let's go. There was a light. We pushed the light. We, we, we met them in the middle of the road when the lights changed. You see, oh, me of little faith. Faith can be seen. You can see it in people. You can hear it in people. Galatians says that, that we gain faith from what we hear. Faith is often spoken. You can hear it coming out of people's mouths because they believe something that God has done. And I love this, you see, because this writer here is telling us that faith is. Faith is. It's real. I think one of the, the tricks of the devil is to try and detach you from faith. But faith is real. It's tangible. Faith is. Faith is. I told you a story before about a, a, a girl who was dying in the hospital. She's only 21 and God set me up with a circumstance. But I got a phone call saying, this girl's about to die. And she wasn't a Christian and I contacted the family. But the moment I got that call, I had faith. I knew that God was going to save that girl. And hallelujah, she was baptized in her hospital bed giving a testimony to Christ. Another occasion, got a phone call. There was a child, seriously ill, dying. But as soon as I got the call, I knew I had faith. It was real. Faith is. Faith is tangible. Someone comes up to you and tries to tamper with your salvation. And they start to say to you, you're not saved. It stirs something up in you. Right? And you start to get in contact with your spirit. I remember being challenged in a factory, Jaguar car factory, when one man was mocking me and I was down enough already. I was quite dislocated from God at that time. I remember being on the production line and one guy was shouting over at me, telling me, Yo, you're going to hell. I say, No, I'm going to heaven, actually. Pretty weak reply, you know. He said, Yo, down you're going 
I said, I'm actually going to heaven. But you know what happened to me? As that guy continually provoked me and shouted back and forward, all of a sudden, I started to answer him correctly. All of a sudden, I got in contact with my spirit and I started to, to light up. I started to say, yo, Bernie, guess what? I'm going to heaven. And I started to believe what I was actually saying. You see, that's your spirit coming to life. And every one of us have got that. But how, how sleepy we get. Faith is. Faith is. And we need to, to, to have regular experiences of that. To be in contact with your own faith. To, to use it, to stir it up. Faith is tangible. Now, don't get carried away with it. I believe there's like a remit of our faith, if you like. There's, there's a faith that, like, I'm not going to go out and jog for 10 miles, right? Because I'll collapse. <laughs> I'll grow my exercise in the same way you need to grow your faith. It takes, it takes, you know, participation, intentionality on your part to grow your faith or it isn't going to grow. You know what it's like. Some people are immature with those things. Like we're going out on the street or something on Saturday and Maybe Pastor Eli is here and he's praying in here and he says, Lord, would you give me a soul today? Would you help me to lead someone to Christ today? And very often a Christian would put it, push him aside and say, no, Lord, 10,000 souls. You see, it sounds good. But then you say to that person, how many did you lead to the Lord last week then? Um, none. Right. Well, let's just see where we start. Now, that might sound like deflation, but it isn't because God's very stable, isn't he? with his growth. He's very stable, very secure and consistent. Think of the pastor of the largest church on earth, David Yonggi Cho. So what did God say to him? Hey, David, I'm, I, I want you to lead a church of 600,000 people? No. Because he couldn't do it, could he? So we had to begin at the beginning. And I heard his story once. It's fantastic. It was God who led him to that and he had to exercise. First, I think the first number he gave him was 300. And he heard from God. He only had a few people. And God said, can you believe me for 300 people? And Yonggi Cho says, uh, he, oh no, 300, goodness me. That's a lot of people, Lord. I don't know if that could happen. But I will hear you. And I will start to get a vision of what that would be like. So Yonggi Cho would go to church and he would preach as if there were 300 there. And very quickly, there were 300 there. And then his testimony is God came back and said, now, can you believe for 500? Goodness me, no. That's a lot of people. But I'll preach as if there was five. I'll look, I'll see, I'll get a vision of what that would be. And he changed himself, grew his faith. And all of a sudden it was 10,000, then 100,000, then two, then three, then four, then five, then six. 100,000. But I want you to see faith grows. And when God's involved in it, he will take you through very stable, very consistent steps of faith. Amen. Amen. So don't be afraid of that. Now, faith is. And secondly, the writer says faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, do, you, do you see that? What comes before faith then? You've got to have hope. And if I ask you, what are you hoping for? What are you actually every day hoping for? Because faith is being sure of what you hope for. You can't sit here this morning and not be, you know, consistent in these things and expect to jump straight into faith. 
someone maybe believes they have a gift of healing, for instance, then what that person has to do is hope. It's unlikely, you know, as a new believer, you're going to praise God if it happens. You're going to go and lay hands and raise the dead or something. But you can get saved and start to invest your life in the word. Start to hope for that faith. Faith is the, is the there's three terms he uses there. Faith is the, the, the substance and the word is platform for things hoped for. So faith, substance, hope. Faith, substance, hope. I start by getting a vision of what God wants me to, to be and to do with my life. And I have a hope of that. I start to pray into it. And faith is the substance. You start, the word there is platform, hypostasis. Faith is the substance. You start to build a platform on the word of God, if you like, in your life, something secure. And then you end up in faith. What are you hoping for? Because that's the place where you should be headed that's where we should end up in that goal of faith being realized in our lives. This is what the great men in the Bible did. If you look back, look at Stephen in the book of Acts. How was he able to stand as they stoned him and not condemn them and say, Father, forgive them? It's because his life was built on the past, the history of his forefathers and all that they had done. It was experience. It was his past. So I ask you, please, exercise your faith. Even in a mechanical, this can seem like quite a mechanical way. It isn't. The faith pledge is an excellent way. And as you make a pledge, as God gives you a figure, it begins your muscles moving. And then when the day of battle comes, the real day of battle, you will have faith to, to contend. It's like David. David wasn't able just to walk up and kill Goliath, was he? What did he say? First I killed the bear. Then I killed the lion, and I will also, through my exercise, be able to deal with this too. Amen? Amen? So stir up that which is in you. Faith is in you. Now, faith is, it's real, it's tangible, it's within us. You can feel it. You know when you've got it. Faith is the substance of things that we hope for. So we need to have an active, lively hope. And faith is the evidence of things unseen. Hallelujah for that. I, say I had a radio, just a normal radio right here. And I said to you, see, if I, see this radio? It can pick up radio waves. They're in the air, but you can't see them. And say you'd never seen a radio, because I don't believe that. But when I turn the radio on and you hear the music, what is the music? It's the evidence of that which is unseen. And I, unbelievers, man, you just need to look at the evidence. Because it's all around us. I remember I was in a large meeting of six or seven hundred people once in, in Dublin city centre. And it was a gathering of churches. And we were all worshipping. It was a good day. There was great unity there. And all of those people, lost and saved in that group, Pentecostals, non-Pentecostals, a whole mix. And as the group stood and we worshipped God, at one moment, the entire place ducked as if like a plane had come over your head. The Holy Ghost came into that room and affected everyone. Everyone knew. And down we went. And there was a moment, it just went silent, quiet. I remember thinking, you could feel my hair stood up. You know, I was thinking, man. But everybody felt the same thing. And then a voice cried out in a tongue. And it was just glorious, heavenly. 
And then from another place came a man who cried out the interpretation. It was one of the, the, the best you know, presences of God I've ever, the most startling presences of God I've ever experienced. It was awesome. And we stood to attention because God had something to say. The evidence of things unseen. God was in that room. You couldn't see him, but you could hear him. He was speaking to us and guiding us about how to deal in, in Southern Ireland. There's a lot of witchcraft, you know. And God was speaking to us and guiding us about how to deal with the particular difficulties in that city. Faith is real. It's tangible. And if you can't feel that in you, I hope for salvation. Amen. It's the assurance of our salvation that you've got that as a living hope, a lively hope within you. And I hope that you can start to exercise it this morning. We need to move to different levels of our faith and not just stay at the door, as it were. All the people on this earth know God is creator. Everybody believes that there is a God. That's what Romans 1 and 2 tells us. They may call him by different names. They may never turn to him and repent and be saved. But nonetheless, the human race has got a knowledge of God imprinted upon them. That's the first level of knowing him. That's the first level of faith. And lost and saved in some ways have that. Then there's knowing him as your redeemer, which is the next step. When you repent, you then have faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross, right? So you believe he died for you. You believe that that takes away your sin. That's a big step forward. You're now saved. You now have faith in God as your redeemer. Amen? But the next bit is where we're going this morning. It's knowing God as your friend and you becoming a co-laborer with him in the kingdom. So he can put through your hands, not just finances, but power, right? So that we see signs and, and wonders and miracles going through your life because faith is living and active in you. Jesus says, pray for this. Pray that you become laborers and go out into the field because there's not enough of them, right? Turn to 2 Kings a moment. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. On your notes, I'm on the section that says, how do we get faith? Well, we get faith by coming through this step-by-step -step process. Of course we know Jesus as creator, but that doesn't save us. You need to know him as Savior and Lord, as Redeemer. Then we need to know him as friend, and, and we need to be laborers with him in the kingdom. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1 tells the story of the widow's oil, and you all know it well, but I'll read the first few verses. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she says, except a little oil. How are you going to grow your faith? How is it going to happen? What's going to take place to cause your faith to move up the scale and for you as an individual, to start to see God's faith moving through you. Well, number one, you're going to have to get close to God. How does faith come? How does faith increase? Not by miracles. If I brought someone up here who was in a wheelchair, and I laid hands on them, and they got up and walked, it wouldn't affect your faith. If someone was blind, and you led them in, and they came up here, and we laid hands on them, and they got their sight back, it wouldn't affect your faith. In fact, 
the irony is it can challenge your faith. Jesus said this one day, even if I raise someone from the dead, it still won't believe faith. They still won't affect their faith. Because miracles and signs and wonders, as great as those things are, they actually, all they do is they stir up interest. It's a different thing. It may cause you to go and look at the scriptures again. It may cause you to think, and so it should. But it actually doesn't affect your faith because it's not the way it comes. But the Bible is crystal clear. Faith comes one way only, by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Look at me a moment. You need to read this until you hear. You need to read the Bible until you hear. It's like going to see someone, going to see a doctor or whatever, or going to see a friend. You walk in. You don't just walk out. You will wait until they speak. You will wait to hear. And so it is with God. So it is with God's Word. You need to read it until you hear. Faith will never increase without that. Faith only comes one way, through your hearing. And how do we get faith? By hearing. By reading the Scriptures until we know we've got something from God. My, oh my, I had about four words from God in here on Friday night. Such was the presence of God. There was a lot of communication from God to us. Praise the Lord for that. You need to hear because faith will, it, it will increase your faith. It will move you on. How do we get faith then? Hearing. Secondly, by being around people of faith. I don't like negative people. Anybody like negative people? I will not spend time with negative people. And I don't think negative people like me. And if negative people like you, you want to ask yourself about that because that's not good. I wouldn't let someone talk. I had a couple once come to me and that woman was so negative they hadn't even got a chance to drink their tea. I said, the time's over. You, you, you're, you're going. Well, what? You know, you're going. I said, okay, out you get. I don't like your attitude. You know, but I don't let negative people around you because they're poison, right? It's not good. We're going to look at this for a whole week. Negativity is, is a bad thing. In fact, we're going to look at part of that tonight about how dangerous that is because it becomes part of who you are and then you pull yourself down and try and pull everyone else down as well. How is your faith going to grow? Not if you tolerate that around you, let me tell you. It's not going to grow then, is it? You have no respect for what God's doing in you. So don't tolerate, I mean, be sensitive, but don't tolerate negative people. Don't tolerate that coming into your ear because it will pull you down. Get around people of faith. Read your Bible until you have heard and don't give up on it. Break through until you hear, right? And the most important thing, the widow, the lesson from the widow's oil. Here's a woman, she's obviously, I've got nothing at all. It's the words out of her mouth. Nothing at all. And she had to give her very last there in order to break through into another realm, right? How do you get faith? Use what you've got. No matter how small it might be, even if I can only run to the end of the street, at least when the day comes that I need it, I've got something. Amen? The amounts don't matter when it comes to God. The little oil doesn't matter. If it's a barrel of oil, what matters is your participation with what you've got. Every single person in this room, in terms of faith pledge, push it. Come on. Push it. Push that muscle. Do some exercise. I know for many of you, because we have many new members, this will be the first you've ever heard of this. Well, praise the Lord. Praise God for it. Because it will kick into life 
other things in you. It's a doorway, as Jesus said. If I can't trust you with money, then you can put down those dreams about power. Right? Mammon, he called it. If you cannot be trusted with mammon, then forget spiritual things. So come the route that Jesus calls us on. Be, do your exercise like everyone else. That's how faith comes. What are the hindrances to faith then? The last section. Well, first and foremost, obviously, what's the greatest hindrance to faith? Sin. Sin. Look at me, please. 1 John. You know there's a revival in South America, in, in Bogota, with the pastor there, Caesar Castellanos. And everyone who gets saved, he gets them to read the book of 1 John four times a day. Must be important. There must be stuff in 1 John then that is good for a new believer and brings them out of doubt and into faith. Let me tell you just one line from 1 John. Listen carefully. If your heart does not condemn you because of sin, if your heart does not condemn you, you will have confidence before God and receive from Him anything you ask. Wow. If you know that you're walking right, if you know that you're fighting sin, doesn't mean you won't slip, doesn't mean you won't make mistakes, but the, 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 the Christian who knows that they're trying, who knows that they're pushing, they can have confidence before God and receive from Him whatever they ask. What a line. What a fantastic promise from God. And Hebrews backs that up, doesn't it? The book of Hebrews says, don't throw away your confidence that you fought so hard to get. You, you, you've been sanctifying yourself. You've been fasting. You've been praying. You've been seeking God. Now don't throw it away and lose that confidence or you will have no, conf no, no confidence before God to act in faith, to pray in faith. Amen. That line alone is good. Amen? Amen. When we have confidence before God, our hearts do not condemn us. And we pray and receive from Him anything we ask. What are the hindrances to faith? definitely sin, the number one hindrance. Sin will puncture your faith like a nail into a balloon. Boom, gone, just like that. Hindrances to faith, unbelief, simple unbelief. Remember, you can have faith and unbelief in you at the same time. In Mark's gospel, one man came up to Jesus and he said this, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe that. Help me believe in, right? It's the same thing. Lord, I believe. He could sense some faith in him, maybe a level of faith. Lord, I know you as Redeemer, but help me to know you as King of Kings. Help me to progress. Amen? I find myself in the same position constantly, and I'm sure you do too. Lord, help me. Open my eyes to see and to press forward. What's going to stop your faith? Sin. What's going to stop your faith? Being unrealistic, unrealistic maybe, about the, 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 the blockages of unbelief that, that reside within us all. Those rocks have got to be removed. Lord, I do believe you're a healer. That. Lord, I do believe that you're a healer. Help me to believe in you as my healer. There's a big difference. Right? And that, this is what this progression is here. Becoming a laborer with Christ. Someone he can speak to. Someone he can share secrets with, as Paul tells us, right? What are the hindrances to faith? Sin, unbelief, and of course, motivations. And in James, James tells us that if we go before God with bad motivations, then he, it, it, it's not going to be happening. We're not going to be moving in the correct sort of faith. 
So you analyze yourself. You search your own heart and find out if your motives are good. Are they kingdom-orientated? Do you have kingdom principles behind your prayers and what you're praying for? Or is it just all about you? Well, that's got no place. These things will hinder faith. Sin, unbelief, bad motivations, negativity, and of course, strife. The Bible is very clear that Peter tells us to husbands to stay in good relationship with your wife, lest what? Lest your prayer be hindered. Any problem between myself and Jeanette lasts about 10 seconds, I can tell you, because I can't afford to have problems. I can't, we, we cannot afford to be in disunity. We cannot afford for one of us not to be content and happy with one another. If there's something that is upsetting her, it's got to go. Got to be changed because it's going to cost us everything. This is crazy. And husbands and wives, your prayers will not be heard. They will be hindered, Peter says, if you don't learn to live together and to get on with one another. And then in Mark, look, look at Mark 11. This is a very serious one right here. Mark 11 and verse 24. Mark 11, verse 24 talks about unforgiveness and how unforgiveness can be a blockage to your faith. Mark 11, verse 24, this is Jesus talking. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Look at the next bit. <laughs> and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you. What's a blockage to our faith? Here we are. I've been praying for years, Lord. What is the blockage? But if you have held on forgiveness, resentment, bitterness towards someone from your past, that thing resides. Do you know I had a very good relationship with my father, as I've told you many times. Got on extremely well with him. Very, very well indeed. And I was at a pastor's conference and it was... A, it, excellent time so much so that I mean the, the anointing was flowing in the place and I needed to do something just get along with God to, 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 to receive like we're talking about faith this morning I can't remember what it was there but it was happening and I remember just saying excuse me guys I've got to get out I got in the car drove down pulled up in a little lay-by and started to pray to God and I knew that I wasn't receiving it I knew that whatever was happening, there was some sort of blockage. And I sat in that car and I waited and I waited and I waited. And eventually God spoke to me about my attitude to my father. I am Lord. I love my father. That's not what we're talking about. What are we talking about? You disrespected him when you were a child. And you know, we had to go home. And I went into my father and I got down on my knees and I couldn't even speak. I just wept in front of him to ask forgiveness. You can't afford to have anything block your faith. Anything. Don't be proud. Don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. But let God reveal to you. Is it sin? Well, that is too costly. Amen? Is it unbelief? Then start to pour faith in through reading your Bible until you hear. Keep those words coming. Keep focusing on the Word of God in your hearing 
to just, you know, push that unbelief out. What's blocking you? You search your own. Is it a negative tongue? We're going to look at that tonight. 6.30. Don't miss that. Guys, I don't think we can afford to. We're going to look at the power of the tongue and speech and how that's involved in exercising your faith. Is it strife at home between husband and wife or with the people you live with? It's too costly. You need to put it right. You need to see it in perspective. Is it unforgiveness? Well, whatever it is, it just, it has to go. And the Bible, of course, has a, a shining example of faith in the patriarch Abraham. And it's summed up in this, that when Abraham was told that Sarah would have a child, it's, it's, it says this, and Abraham did not consider her age, the fact that she was barren. He did not, do you know what the word consider there means? Think about, entertain, dwell on. Abraham, having been told that the seemingly impossible was going to take place, he's credited with this faith and a hero of faith for this reason. When told it, he did not think about, dwell on, ponder the negative, but believed God's word to him. That's what we need to do. I want you this morning to get a figure from God. Now, if you hear 50 pence, praise the Lord, <laughs> but it's very unlikely to be God. Just telling you the truth. Not unless you're completely and utterly broke, because God will want you to stretch your faith, right? Want you to, to move forward. Let me finish with this last slide, I think. Oops, that one. Look at this. The Bible speaks of three types of faith. Little faith, great faith, and perfect faith. And it's not talking about different people. It's talking about the same person. A person who starts with little faith can move on through exercising that faith to have great faith. And then if they keep on exercising that faith, you'll have moments, I believe, in life where you can have perfect faith and see miracles happen. Amen? Now, Jesus, he comes at this from many different ways. It says this about Isaac. Isaac sowed and reaped a thousandfold, in, sorry, a hundredfold in one year. Remember that? You do remember that, amen? <laughs> it's a very important scripture, especially for times like these when there was a, re a, re a recession on, you know. It was a year of famine. A year of famine. And the child of God sowed and reaped a hundredfold in famine. Amen. amen. So, some people can start at 30. No problem. That's okay. We're all going to start somewhere, haven't we? So, but, and some will move on. Some will exercise their faith and move on to 60% return on what they sow because they're believing for it. And others even 100. Now, it's the same person. Isaac, it says right there in your Bible, Isaac became wealthy. And then he became more prosperous until he became very wealthy, it says. Three stages. He grew 30 60, 100. And I, I don't know where you're at. You, you, you assess your own heart in God. Ask the Holy Spirit to tell you where you are on this. But we've all got to start. Just like I got a jog. <laughs> you got to do your faith exercises. Right? And when we do this, and we are faithful at this, then the door to spiritual things Amen. actually opens up. Amen. And that's priceless. Amen. It's absolutely priceless.